Okay, so there's this dude named Michael Graham who wrote an article for the Gospel Coalition Network. Uh, it was entitled, The Six-Way Fracturing of Evangelicalism. A friend sent it to me this week. Uh, and a friend actually sent it to Colin, too, this week. So we both were like, hey, man, have you read this article? Uh, the title's pretty self-explanatory, right? American evangelicalism is fracturing. It's breaking apart. Everyone sees this. Everyone feels this. Everyone thinks this. Like, who doesn't, right? I mean, we all know this. This is happening. Uh, he says we're fracturing into uh, faction six, and this is a, a phrase that Colin came up with that I absolutely love, six self-sorting fractions. So it's an interesting article. Um, we did a podcast on it this past week, and it, it was the beginning of a new segment we're calling the rant segment. Sometimes you just need to rant, right? So if you don't like that kind of stuff, don't listen to that podcast. Graham argues that we evangelicals are dividing over political, cultural, dash racial, socioeconomic differences. In other words, we all, evangelicals, are seeing the world differently in these areas of life. We could also add, you might, right? We could also add COVID, couldn't we? Right? So we all kind of see the world medically different too, scientifically different too, right? That could be added to the list. But like I said, it's an interesting article, but the question I kept asking over and over in the article, because here's his point. His point is we're dividing politically, culturally, racially, social, economically, not theologically, not missionally. But I kept asking myself over and over, I kept saying, then, then why are we fracturing? Right? I mean, if we're all unified theologically, if we're all unified missionally, which is what God says holds the church together, not only holds the church together, but gives it its, its massive mission, its massive divine cosmic meaning and mattering and impact and relevance and power and identity. <laughs> so why are we fracturing if we're all united there? Shouldn't we be united? So I disagree with Graham. The mere fact that we're fracturing into six self-sorting fractions tells us we have different missions and different messages. In other words, the church's mission today, the church's message today is political, is cultural, is racial, is socioeconomic. It's not the gospel as we're going to look at in this book called Galatians. Paul would say, in other words, the church's mission and message today is not the gospel. It's a form of the law. It could be a religious law. Or it could be a bunch of little laws in life. Like the law of thinness. We can make that a mission. Like the law of capability. We can make that a mission and a message. Like the law of success. We can make that a mission. 
and not a message. This is why we're dividing. This is why we're dividing. Now, you might be surprised to know that this is not why I brought this up. Why did I bring it up? Because here's why. In the article, Graham says, I regularly hear from about six dozen pastors from around the United States. What's six dozen? Anybody really quick? What is it? There we go. 72 pastors from around the United States. Over the past year, each of them have expressed to me that they are exhausted, and I have yet to hear from a single pastor that they are thriving, end quote. And of course, he goes on to say, quote, much of the exhaustion revolves around what we have all been intuitively feeling and objectively observing. Evangelicalism is fracturing. So here's, here's the great what if. What if the Bible releases a present power into all this? What if the Bible releases a present power that renews exhausted pastors? What if the Bible releases a present power that heals fractured churches and fractured church leaders? What if the Bible releases a present power that reaches and renews you no matter where you are, as we just sang? And no matter what's going on inside of you, and no matter what's going on that's coming at you, what if there was such a present power? Welcome to the world of Galatians. I would strongly advise you to fasten your seatbelts and put on your crash helmets. Please stand for the hearing of God's word. So Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through men, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, all the brothers who are with me, to the churches of Galatia, grace and peace, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, and it's in a present verb, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen? Amen. I am astonished, Paul is saying, that you are so quickly deserting him. Now, last week we saw in, in Judges, this same idea was said this way. They forgot the Lord their God. Paul's saying the exact same thing. I'm so astonished that you are so quickly deserting him, who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another gospel, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. Who are these some? Church leaders. Yikes. Self-appointed leaders. Not a lot of that going on today. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preached, let you preach to you, let him be accursed. Now, what you need to think about when he says that word accursed, you need to think back at Sodom and Gomorrah. This is Old Testament language. You need to think of looking back and becoming a pillar of salt. That's what you need to be thinking about. So let him be accursed. As I've said before, now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him become a pillar of salt. 
For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Am I trying to please man? If I was trying to please man, would I not? I would not be a servant of Christ. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. So there's two gospels. There's man's gospel. There's God's gospel. So it begins. The word of the Lord. Please be seated. Oh, Lord, we ask that you would fill us with your spirit. We ask that you would speak us back to life again. So this present power that we're about ready to look at, oh, Lord, release it. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so what if the, what if the Bible releases a present power, right, to renew exhausted pastors, to heal fractured churches and fractured church leaders, to... Reach and renew you and me no matter where we are, no matter what's going on in our life. What if that was true? So here's what we're going to do. First, we're going to look at the present problem for exhausted pastors, fractured churches, church leaders, and for you and me. Then we're going to look. Second thing we're going to do is we're going to look at the present power. So we're going to look at the present problem. Then we're going to look at the present power, the present power for exhausted pastors, fractured churches, and church leaders for you and me. You with me? And in the process... Fasten your seatbelts. That's all I'm going to say. All right, so what is this present problem? What's the present problem for exhausted pastors, fractured churches and churches for you and me? One, six. I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one. Don't miss what Paul is saying here. Do you see what he's saying? This is incredible. He says, look, I'm going to tell you why I'm writing to you. I'm going to tell you why God has inscripturated these words for you. And for 2,000 plus years of churches. There's no mystery to why I'm writing to you. So Paul, why are you writing to us, the Galatians are saying. Why are you writing to us? And he says... Because you so easily lose the gospel. It's so easy. I'm astonished. I'm shocked, Paul says. Now, we like to say things around here. We have this phrase that we like to say around here like, um, we're unshockable. And what that means is, is like, we're not shocked at the messes in our lives and in other people's lives. We're not shocked when we sin, when we individually sin and when others sin and when we sin against each other. We're unshockable. That means it's a, it's a safe place that understands sin and understands grace, the gospel. But Paul is shocked. I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Wow, says Paul. That was so easy for you. It's so easy for exhausted pastors to lose the gospel. It's so easy for fractured churches and fractured church leaders to lose the gospel. It's so easy 
for you and me to lose the gospel. Notice Paul is not saying, I'm not shocked. Notice Paul's not saying, I'm shocked that the culture is losing the gospel. I'm shocked that our politicians are losing the gospel. I'm shocked that critical theories are losing the gospel. I'm shocked that our educational institutions and educational leaders and universities are losing the gospel. I'm shocked, he's not saying, that the unchurched are losing the gospel. Paul's writing to Christians. I'm shocked that you're losing the gospel. That pastors are losing the gospel. That churches are losing the gospel. That church leaders are losing the gospel. That I lose the gospel. That's what's shocking. So let's look at why is it so easy for us, though? Why is it so easy for us to lose the gospel? Why is it so easy for pastors and churches and church leaders and for you and me to lose the gospel? Why is it so easy for us to do that? Look at Galatians 1.10. For, this is such a great word, for, for, for. For is a, a clarifying word. For is a torch word. It's a flashlight word. It's, he's about ready to tell us why. Here's why it's so easy for you. For, here's the reason why. It shines light into our lives. It shines light into the hearts. Here it is. It turns the lights on. For, am I now seeking the approval of man? Now, the approval of man has two components to it. You could say it's probably the approval of human beings, which means uh, the approval of other human beings and self-approval. So when you think of approval, seeking approval, you can be seeking self-approval from yourself, and you can be seeking approval from other people. That's all under the big tent of human approval. So here we go. Or the approval of God. Or, turning more lights on, am I trying to please man? So here's where it go. A theological translation would go like this. Am I trying to win the approval of others to justify my existence? A personal translation would go like this. Am I trying to win love and acceptance from others? Oprah Winfrey said in the 1990s. Now, does anybody remember who she is? Now, in the 1990s, she was it. There wasn't a bigger name on the planet. There wasn't a bigger name in the world. She was, her name was her brand. She was everything. She interviewed all the important people, her, started her own network. She was it. Now, in the, the height of her name being everything, she said, I discovered I didn't feel worth a darn and certainly not worthy of love unless I was accomplishing something. I suddenly realized I have never felt I could be loved just for being. How about the pop music icon of the 80s? Madonna. Anybody remember her? Look, I know everybody's going back to the 80s now, so some of you are listening to that music, right? She was the pop music icon. She, she describes verse 10 better than any theologian I've ever read, than any theological book I've ever read, even better than Luther. She tells us what verse 10 means. You ready? Here it goes. 
I have an iron will. And all of my will has always been to conquer some horrible feeling of inadequacy. I push past one spell of it and discover myself to be a special human being. But then do I get to another stage and think, now I'm uninteresting and mediocre. Again and again I feel this way. My drive in life is from this horrible fear of being mediocre. And that's always pushing me, pushing me, pushing me. Because even though I become somebody, I still have to prove that I'm somebody. My struggle has never ended and it probably never will. Verse 10. A long time ago, I used to work out at the Y, the YMCA. Um, and then I was at Jim X, and that's where I met T, and then Crunch, and then COVID said, it's time to open up the Hatton Gym. So now I work out in the Hatton Gym, never going back to the Y, never going back to Jim X. But a long time ago, I used to work out in the Y. One early Thursday morning, I, w I finished my workout, and I went in the locker room, and there was just me and this other dude. Hey, hey. Kind of awkward, you know, that silence while you're, you know, in the locker room. So I needed to, like, break the awkward silence. So I said, hey, how are you? <laughs> and he says, this is what he says, he says, good now. Good now, you know, like, for those of you who don't work out, when, when you say you're good now after your workout, you're good now because it's over, Right? And then he kept going. And I was like, oh, wait, you, you're, you're breaking locker room etiquette right now. That was all you needed to say to me. And he said, I really should say I'm good now because I feel better about myself. It was a little too much TMI, right? But I understood exactly what he meant. Pulitzer Prize winner Ernest Becker for his book, The Denial of Death, says, we all have this need to feel heroic about ourselves. Why is it so easy for us? Why is it so easy for pastors? Why is it so easy for churches? Why is it so easy for church leaders? Why is it so easy for us to lose the gospel? Answer, we need to feel heroic. We need approval. We live in a world of the approval gods. The Bible assumes you live in a world or an age of the approval gods. Look at verse 4. Paul calls it the present evil age. The present evil age is an age where human approval is God. The approval of a parent, God. The approval of a coach, God. The approval of a boyfriend, God. The approval of your spouse, God. The approval of your inner critic, God. 
the approval of your performance as a mom, as a musician, as an athlete, as an expert in your field, as a friend, God. The approval gods are everywhere. Paul Zoll talks about the time he experienced some epic change as a pastor. He was changing pastorates. He was going from one church to another church. And I, gee, man, I was doing it. Was, it's cringeworthy. I was listening to it. And I was like, oh. So what happened was he's changing as a pastor. He'd been a pastor at a place for like 10 years or so. And he went to another pastorate where the pastor there was much loved and had been there for 500 years. And then he realized that his new secretary was his church secretary, his former pastor's church secretary, for 500 years. And she didn't like him. (laughs) He couldn't do anything right. He couldn't pastor right. He couldn't counsel right. He couldn't preach right, teach right. He couldn't walk and chew gum right. He couldn't even turn the pages of his books right. So what did he do? What did he do? I kept trying harder and harder to please her. I was obsessed with pleasing her. I needed to please her. And don't miss this. And I never could. No matter what I did, it was never enough. What Paul is trying to say, and he's going to say in the book of Galatians, it is impossible to please the approval gods. It's impossible. So what is? We just looked at the present problem. So what's the present power? What's the present power for exhausted pastors? What's the present power for fractured churches and church leaders? For you and me, what is it? First, you need to make sure, it's clear in your mind. You need to make sure this, absolutely clear in your mind. First, there is a present power. Do you believe that? So many of us have come in here, and so many of us in the church, we think of a past power. We have whole theologies built on this. The sacraments aren't a present power in most traditions. They're a past power. So you just remember and memorialize it. The scripture isn't a present power. It's a past power. We could go on and on and on. There are whole traditions, theological stripes. There's whole movements. So we need to get clear to our minds. There is a present power. There is a present power. There is a present power. Verse 3. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age. There is a present power to deliver me from the gods of approval. From the age of approval. Don't miss the phrase, according to the will of God. Do you see that? That's That's an incredible phrase. According to the will of God our Father. The will of God is God's guts. The will of God is the deepest waters of God's heart. The will of God is the deepest impulses of his heart. In other words, in the heart, in the guts, in the glory of God, his will, his deepest will. Well, what is it? 
What is it, Paul? To deliver you. To deliver you from the age of the approval gods. What is the present power? Well, first we need to get clear to our minds that there is a present power. Second, you need to ask God, I need to ask God, we need to ask God, the church at large needs to ask God to make real to our heart that there is a present deliverer. A present deliverer. Not a past deliverer. Not a future deliverer. A present deliverer. Galatians 1. Paul, an apostle, not from men, not from men, nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. It's absolutely crucial for us to understand that the Apostle Paul is writing to Christians. It's absolutely crucial to understand that Apostle Paul is writing to pastors. He's writing to churches. He's writing to church leaders. He's writing to you and me. It's absolutely crucial that we understand that. It's absolutely crucial that we understand these are not healthy Christians. These are not healthy churches, healthy pastors, and healthy church leaders. They're addicted to approval. Approval is their crack. They're exhausted by human approval. They're fracturing in their churches, in their church leadership, and in their community because of human approval. They're losing the gospel because of human approval. They're losing the mission and the message of the church because of the gods of human approval. This is so, so important. Who would have thought that that is why we do what we do? Who would have thought if Paul was to walk into the church today and walk into the culture today, he'd go, well, I can tell you exactly what's going on. The gods of human approval. That's why you're doing what you're doing. That's why you feel the way you feel. That's why you're so anxious. That's why you have an addictive personality in this particular area of your life. It's absolutely crucial for us to understand, though, that the Apostle Paul wants to make us healthy Christians and churches. And the big question now for 2,000 plus years of church history is, how do you do that? How do you make Christians healthy? How do you make churches healthy? And the answer for 2,000 years has been one of two answers either by some strategy of what Paul's going to call the law or the gospel. The answer from Galatians is, how do you become a healthy Christian? How do you become a healthy church? By the present power of a present deliverer. Where, Jeff? Verse 1. Paul, an apostle, not from men, not through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. What's happening here has never happened before. I just need you to know this. 
What's happening in Galatians at this point has never happened before in all of Paul's writings. Every Galatian scholar agrees that's impossible, that never happens. That means every conservative, liberal, neo-orthodox, liberation theologist, feminist theologist, new perspective of Paul theologian, reformed theologian, Catholic, Eastern Orthodox, fundamentalist, and big tent evangelicalism. They all agree that something is different right here. What's different? What's different is Paul doesn't have a long introduction. He usually, in all his books, he has this long, warm introduction. Here, there's no warm introduction. This is absolutely different. Well, what's here, they say. Everyone's asking, well, what's going on? What's here? The answer is, what's there? The answer, only Jesus. Only one person in the history of the planet to be approved. There's only one person in human history that has been approved. Paul, an apostle, not from man nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. Only the approved are raised from the dead. Only an epic hero is raised from the dead. Jesus became your disapproval in his death. Verse 3, grace to you and peace from God the Father and Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age. He became your disapproval in his death. He became your disapproval in his death. Jesus became your approval at his resurrection. Galatians 1.1, Paul an apostle, not from men nor through men, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. This is a present deliverer. This is an epic hero. This is the only righteous man who ever lived. This is the only truly justified human being. And he didn't do it for himself. He did it for you. He's your approval. And he's all the approval you will ever need. So exhausted pastors, exhausted pastors, be renewed in the approval of another. The present deliverer for you. The present power for you. What would it be like, pastors, to know deep in your bones you are approved that changes everything. Oh, you want to criticize me? Go ahead. Send that email. I'm approved. And you might be right. Bingo. I'm approved. We need courage today. Only approved people will have courage. 
Everybody else will fear man. Everybody else will be a people pleaser. Fractured churches and church leaders, all who are living in the age of the approval gods, you and me, be healed by the approval of another. Be healed by a present deliverer. He's all the approval you need. And when you struggle with your failures and you struggle with your messes and you struggle with your sin, what do you do? Well, he was your disapproval. Took that away. So you don't need to fear, be anxious about failing and about messing up. You do what? Well, what do you do? Well, you, you confess it. It's the power and the freedom of confessing. Yes, I am like this. Yes, I do this. Oh, God, thank you that you're my disapproval, Jesus. And you're my approval. Be healed by his approval. He's all the approval you need. This is the present deliverer. This is the present power for you and me right now. 